Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. So happy you decided to join me this week. My guest on this week's program is a real respected veteran of the game with over 30 years in the business. It's Crowbar, previously known as Dangerous Devin Storm. He's someone I first heard of reading wrestling magazines in the 90s. And then, of course, he's known for his run in WCW in the late 90s into the year 2000. And he's still going strong in the ring. I saw him earlier this year on an ISPW card in New Jersey where he faced Rhett Titus in one of the best matches of the night. He also wrestled the match on AEW Dark when they were in Philadelphia not too long ago, about 11 months ago, I think, against Joey Janela. And uh, one of the cool things, too, about Crowbar is he's worked in physical therapy basically the entire time that he's wrestled and still does, as he has his own practice out in Rutherford, New Jersey. Always greatly respected his work, and I had a lot of fun talking to him. So here we go with my interview with Crowbar. So pleased to be joined by a professional wrestling veteran and one of the true innovators of the game. You might know him as Dangerous Devin Storm, but it's Crowbar. Crowbar, so happy you're joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. How are you? So happy to have you on, Phil. Thanks so much. How, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so let's just start off with this. What are you up to these days? What am I? That's a good question. I'm trying to figure it out myself. Uh, some people have called it a career renaissance. Uh, I'm really not sure. I'm just out there have, having a great time, having a, a hell of a time pushing it, working hard, working with a lot of the young lions and uh, tearing it up out there. Uh, four, 48 years old, still love to work hard, still like to go out there and wow the people. And uh, where it goes, who knows, but having a hell of a time with whatever you want to call this thing I'm doing. What do you like about still getting in the ring now? And how do you like getting in there with some of those guys? It's very cliche to say, and a lot of guys say, I believe I am the biggest wrestling fan alive. And when I first broke into wrestling, that wasn't a fashionable thing to say. If you were in the industry, you never admitted that you were a fan, that you were a mark, that you enjoyed it. I and I know there's no cursing rule. I flipping love professional wrestling. Uh, <laughs> and I've been blessed to be able to do it uh, going on 31 years. And uh, I enjoy it now just as much as I did way back when. Again, for some people, not fashionable to say, not fashionable to show all your cards and what you feel. But at, you know, being in it this long, I really don't care. Uh, I, I, I enjoy pushing myself there's like this competition with myself can i hang with this guy can i hang with that guy uh two weeks ago i had the opportunity to work with rich swan one wow. of the best guys out out there and uh I'm, I'm, I'm a student when i get booked against somebody i will watch video and uh after video after video while i do my cardio and i will learn their moves i'm i was familiar with rich uh, I, I've always liked his work, but when you're going to work with somebody, you really watch and you try to learn their move. If, in my opinion, if you, you're going to go out there and do your best, you're going to learn your opponent's moveset. You're going to learn what they like to do. You're going to learn how, the, how they work out there. So I, I, I become a student of that opponent before I work them. So in my mind, it was a, I was challenging myself to be able to hang with, Rich Swan. We went out there for Outlaw Pro Wrestling in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I have my handful of very safe, very, very cool, still looking, uh, still extreme looking spots that I do. I, I think I still make myself look athletic. I think I am athletic. 
But the real challenge was being able to hang and make sure Rich got to do all his signature stuff and make sure that I was there for the timing and for the basing and everything else. So it's, it, it's great working with these guys. It's great going out there, showing that I can still hang with these guys. And it's just, it's just both entertaining and personally rewarding for myself. It's, it, it, it's a really odd thing. A lot of guys in, in the business don't get it. They, they always say, you, you have a business, you have a family, you're 48, you, you did WCW, you did ECW, you did WWE. Why the hell are you still doing this? And because I flipping love wrestling. And uh, I, I, I think I'm entertaining myself as much as I hope I'm, en I'm entertaining the people out there. Well, I had the opportunity to see you live uh, earlier this year for ISPW. I think it was in uh, Morristown where you were facing uh, Rhett Titus actually yes. on that show. And that, I, I thought you guys had one of the best uh, best matches on the show. And that was when you first I first was reminded like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Crowbar. <laughs> he's still <laughs> he's still out there doing his thing. And then uh, yeah. and talking to our uh, our mutual acquaintances, the now uh, Vic Delicious and Hale Collins and just have. Tons of Two nice my favorite to, guys. They're great. Yep. Tons of nice things to say about you. So do you, now when you're on some of these uh, cards, do you, do you, are you now the veteran getting asked for advice from the young wrestlers or what kind of, uh, can you watch my match? That kind of stuff. I am that guy. Uh, I am the veteran getting asked for, for advice. And uh, I happily offer whatever advice I can. Uh, I, I'm still there watching all, all the matches whether I'm in it or not, because I just enjoy watching and, see, and yeah. seeing who's out there and what they do. Who do you who do you see out there now, and what or what do you see out there in the wrestling scene that really that that you enjoy personally as a fan? There's a lot of things. Uh, when I watch TV wrestling or even on the independents, I'm an older guy, 48 years old. I enjoy watching other guys like myself and seeing what they're doing. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, Chris Jericho, PCO, Christian, Matt Hardy, mm -hmm. uh, guys like that. And I like to compare myself as far as what I'm doing compared to what they're doing. And it's, uh, it's very inspiring and very encouraging to see guys like that still going like myself. Uh, I enjoy watching the guys like that. I enjoy watching the new cruiserweights, guys like Darby Allen and, uh, I can't think of his name. I'm having a total break. I love uh, Fuego de Sol. Uh, I, I, I love watching the newer generation of cruiserweights and imagining how if I were to work with them, how I would base for them and make their stuff look good. I really like watching everything. I, uh, I, I enjoy watching the new hardcore stuff you see out there. Some of it's crazy. Some of it's safe. Uh, and... I'll, I'll, I'll watch as a fan, but I'll also watch as a professional. I'll say, eh, that might have been a little bit safer. You could have done that safer. Maybe not. Maybe this or that. So it, there's a lot of things I watch as a professional and I watch as, as a fan. And uh, but the fact is I still watch very actively and and I I enjoy both aspects. Always evolving, it seems like. Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't really totally know this, but how did you break into pro wrestling? I, I was always a huge fan. Uh, when I was about 16, I had become a mega fan. And, uh, but I really never knew how to get involved. You know, when you would read the after mags and stuff, you would see 
Monster Factory. And that was way down south of Jersey, down in Paulsboro. That became an option. And then uh, it, it just kind of found me. My brother-in-law's brother knew a guy in East Rutherford, the next town over, that worked at a bicycle repair shop who yada, 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 was somehow tied in with Iron Mike Sharp and had plans a year from then to be opening up a pro wrestling school in Brick Township, New Jersey. And that's all I had to hear. So I walked to go meet this guy, found out he, he was going to be opening up a school in Brick Township, New Jersey with Mike Sharp. And from that point on, I found a Friday, Saturday, Sunday job at a local catering hall called The Landmark. And I worked Friday night. I worked double shift on Saturday and Sunday, and I saved my money. And the following year, at the age of 17, I started pro wrestling school. What was that? What was the training like back then? What was what was Iron Mike Sharp like? It, it was nuts. Uh, at that time, being naive, being new, I it, it was all very normal to me. And I always tell people this: it, it was a a small boxing ring in a strip mall, but just uh, and it wasn't even a full size ring. It was one of those low profile rings, maybe two and a half three feet off, off the ground, but just walking into a pro wrestling ring for the first time, I'll never forget it. It was one of the most mind blowing, magnificent experiences in my entire life. As crappy as that ring was, I was walking into a pro wrestling ring and I'm sure a lot of the guys that do it for the first time, the first time you step through those ropes and get into that ring, it's so, so special. Uh, but training under Mike Sharp, uh, I'll go to a wrestling school now and guys wear sweats or a, a t-shirt, tank top, maybe spandex shorts and, and stuff like that. Mike Sharp trained us like he was going to wrestle at the garden. Black trunks, black boots, forearm brace. Nice. All, oil, all oiled up and he never broke case. He trained us the way we saw him on TV. It, and in hindsight, it was crazy. Yeah. But at that time, it it didn't seem odd because that's how we knew Mike Sharp. Uh, and that was one of the things that really stood out in hindsight. Mike Sharp never broke kayfabe, even with this. He trained us in his ring gear. Wow, that's 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 amazing. He and he was yeah. very credible and very competent. Uh, Big dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But could do a lot of stuff for his size too. Absolutely. Pretty, pretty, pretty nimble. Um, I remember first being aware of you probably in the mid nineties, mostly through magazines, reading about like buzz about your tag team with uh, Ace Darling and then getting to see both of you in the WWF light heavyweight championship tournament mm -hmm. on Monday night raw. Uh, what kind of things were you doing back then to try to get noticed? Cause it's so, it's so different. It seems like a completely different world now. It's so different now because at that time, Ace and I were the smallest guys on every card, we were the opening match, uh, either against each other or later on when we became a, a tag team, we were like a rockers slash rock and roll express, smaller, quicker tag team. When you fast forward to now, I'm one of the larger guys in, in the locker room by far. Uh, the business has evolved so much further away from these larger than like gigantic guys to guys that are more uh, they're smaller, but more fit, more athletic. And that's really the biggest 
thing right now is uh, that's mind blowing. Uh, when I first got involved years ago, I had to think like a smaller wrestler. In, in order to stand out, I had to learn how to moonsault, how to do a Frankenstein, how to dive to the floor, how to do this, how to do that. Now, uh, I, I can still do a lot of those things, uh, but I'm more the larger guy, the base in a lot of these matches. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you compare it to like Mexican wrestling, I, I, I'm more like the La Parca psychosis guy as, as opposed to a Rey Mysterio or a, a Juventud guy. I'm yeah. more of a base guy because of the size. Like even like uh, Black Black Tarus, I believe is his name. That was in the yes. uh, Lucha Libre yep. match at the Flair card that you were also wrestling on. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's always the guy that every. I mean, he's great at it too. Yes, but, absolutely. Uh, but that, it's interesting uh, that you're because I think the light heavyweight division back then was two twenty five and under. And if you think about that now, and you look at the percentage of the rosters that it would be, it's it's how like many seven. guys that are it's almost everybody. Here. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, the run that I think a lot of people best remember you for, and it's also in your social media handle too, was uh, for WCW teaming with David Flair, winning the mm -hmm. WCW tag team titles, being accompanied by the very memorable Daphne. Absolutely. Uh, to me at the time, I thought you guys were so fresh and new and fun. What What was that whole run like for you after all the work you had put in to get to that point? I had been doing uh, a darker, more gothy version of, Devin Storm on the Saturday night show. And I was being groomed to be the next cruiserweight to come up. Uh, I was going to be a more aggressive, larger cruiserweight that would make his way up to Nitro and Thunder. And then the story has it, as, as I've been told, uh, I arrived in Vail, Colorado to do WCW Saturday night. The crew had gotten back from Nitro that night. I walked into the hotel bar slash restaurant Leather jacket, hair down, yada, yada, yada. Vince Russo saw me and he liked my look. This is what I, I was told. And at that time, David Flair was going around behind the scenes, whacking people with a crowbar, being a nut, stalking women. And he had this gothy girl with him, Daphne, and, and, and he was popping a rating. David was popping a rating. The only thing that was a problem was that he was not a very strong in-ring performer, unfortunately. So they came up with the idea, let's put David in a tag team. We'll have the partner do the majority of the work. That way we still get David out there. They still get to see him compete in a ring, but the partner could do the majority of, of the work. So that was really what enabled me to get from Saturday night to the main show, not as a cruiserweight, but as kind of this crazy character. And sort of the workhorse for your team and, and guiding him to where they needed him to get. Were, were you and David Flair friends? And have you have you kept in touch with him at all since that run? I haven't spoke to him in a while. The last time I saw him, I would have to say about maybe eight, nine years oh. ago, uh, David, Shannon, and I all did a uh, autograph signing. Uh, I love David to death. He was a great guy. I had, I had not met him prior to us being paired up. Uh, and when they told me I was going to be paired with Flair's kid, you don't know what to expect. Is it? Is he going to be very cocky because he's the son of the nature boy? Is he going to be the same? And he couldn't be nicer, couldn't have been sweeter. Great guy. He knew his limitations. Yeah. He wanted to learn. And honestly, people ask us, we were three young adults, three kids, just, had, just 
having a great time enjoying this ride. And it's a, it was one of the most fun times of my entire life in wrestling. And uh, just very thankful for that time. It, it was just great. You know, I, I have no complaints. It was so much fun working with the both of them. And it just all just super fun memories. How great was Daphne in her role? She was amazing. Uh, she, she was an actor and an actress rather by trade. Uh, I believe she entered a casting call to be Flair's girlfriend and she killed it. She looked great. And then we were traveling together. I found out she had a gymnastics background and stuff like that. Uh, so we, we started to teach her how to do some moves like the Frankensteiner tornado DDTs and stuff like that. And we integrated that in small spots here, here and there when we worked and, uh, it really, really worked well. She wanted to learn. She ate it up and, uh, she, she wanted to assume that role and be more physical in with the matches and, and add and really add to our whole shtick. And, uh, on a personal note, she would walk into a room and light it up. Just all, all smiles, uh, to see her with fans was amazing. We all try to be great with fans, take a picture, sign this, that. She she would stop with a kid and ask the kid questions. How's school? What's your name? What kind of sports do you like? She, she always went the extra mile and just an incredible human being professionally with us and with the guys in the back and with the girls in the back, but also with the fans. She was just amazing to her fan base. I kind of forgot that that was sort of that was literally her introduction to the the, the pro wrestling business, which is it's, it's just crazy to think about because she was so good and so natural at it on screen that it, it was easy for, to forget that it was basically a casting call that got her in the door. But, crazy, uh, right? So what what a what a trio you guys were, and I, I really really enjoyed that. Uh, we as, honestly as were we were honestly three kids just having fun. It was great. It, and it seems like during the entirety of your 30 plus years in the ring, you've always had this other gig with physical therapy. Uh, yes. What What has the balance of that been like for you in your career, just knowing when to focus more on it than the other side? And was WCW the only time that you were really full time as wrestling? I don't know how much of that stuff you were doing when you were in WCW. I pursued pro wrestling in physical therapy at the same time uh i pursued the independence i went to college got accepted into physical therapy school and i was going to physical therapy school all throughout my first nightly run with wcw then the ecw and then uh wwf light heavyweight division i was doing this all at, at the same time uh if i got called to do a show i would uh i would get my assignments ahead of time. And I would make sure I got that done. Uh, I graduated in 98. I worked for a year full-time at a hospital. During that time, I attended two of the Dory Funk dojos, which and nothing materialized out of that. And then a year later, I got the full-time gig with uh, WCW. When I was there, uh, <laughs> when I was home from the road, you know, sometimes you're on the road for two weeks, three weeks, a month, what have you, whenever I was home from the road, uh, if it was three days, four days, five days, I would grab two or three of those days and I would work per diem at a local hospital and, and also at a sports center. So I kept a hand in it at 
all yeah. times. Uh, and just when WCW ended, uh, I went from being full-time wrestler, part-time physical therapist to full-time physical therapist, part-time wrestler. And I didn't miss a beat with it. And it was cool, you know, uh, uh, and as far as your other question goes, uh, WCW was the only time that I was really full time as a pro wrestler and following WCW, I, uh, I worked a lot of per diem hours in physical therapy as I, I did like the WWWA, uh, overseas. I did TNA. Uh, I, I had a few dark, like, uh, a few dark matches for WWE, but when it seemed like nothing was going to materialize i grabbed a, a full-time job for hell south uh and two three months in i i became the site coordinator and uh that became my gig for a while and now it's your own business that you that you yes. own yes wow for the past 10 years on that. congratulations on all of that that's it, it's so unique to me when a wrestler can have that kind of dual role uh I think the the most interesting one I've ever heard was probably George Animal Steele's teaching for 25 years while he was doing uh, pro wrestling in the summer and on his uh, vacations. But uh, and then the two sides not knowing that the other one was happening. But uh, it's so it's so great to see you know just yeah and it's and it's a good sign for other wrestlers to learn like you know you can have a backup plan that works. You know you're, I you're always, a great example for that. Yeah, I always say. Uh shoot for the stars, you know, give it everything you have. But I always say pursue your dreams responsibly. And often you'll hear people say, well, if I have a plan B, then I'm admitting that I'm not going to make it. I have to go all, all out. I have to do all this. And I don't think that's true. Uh, in, in any kind of entertainment, if you're a singer, if you have a band, if you're an actor, an actress, if you're a pro wrestler, you can be the best at what you do. And if the stars don't line up, uh, you, you might not get that call right, or you may not get it soon. It may take years and years and years. If you have a plan B, and especially a plan B that you like, it buys you time. Like I said, I have no idea where this goes right now for me personally, but the fact that I have a physical therapy degree, I have my own my own business here. Uh, there is zero pressure at all in anything I do wrestling wise. Uh, I'm able to enjoy it to the fullest because there is nothing riding on it. I am, I'm, I'm out there generally because I flipping love pro wrestling. Uh, I'm entertaining myself. I'm pursuing it passionately. I'm pursuing what I love and there's really no set destination, but there's no pressure on anything I'm doing. So for the people that say, you can't have a plan B. You have to be, it's all or nothing. That's BS. I don't believe that. I, I believe you can have plan A and plan B. And I believe if you have a good plan B, it empowers you to be able to play the long game and wait on that plan A, that dream that you want. Uh, and, you know, that's a huge thing there. Uh, and I pursued both way, way before online classes you had to go in person you had to drive to school you had to attend the classes i studied on the road uh the only thing is if you're gonna do that if you're gonna pursue pro wrestling let's say and you're gonna go for a a degree you're gonna sacrifice your private time you're gonna have no social life uh but if those are two things that you want bad enough 
uh, you can do it. And if you say you can't, you're just making excuses. There's, it's easier to do it now than it was yeah. when I did it. It also it just makes me want to see a match between you and somebody who I've had on the show in the past, which is uh, who's that? Davy Richards, who's uh, about to become a uh, an emergency room physician. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. But he was telling me about all the yeah. If you were looking for me at a wrestling show, I'd be, probably be in the corner studying my textbook. So that's that's amazing. Yep, that's, that's what I was doing. Um, we're going to move to something we call the three count. Now it's going to be three questions and your uh, responses to them. Okay. Uh, so if you had to show someone three uh, Devin Storm or Crowbar matches uh, to introduce your body of work to somebody, what would you choose and why? What would I choose and why? Uh... One of my favorite matches is one that's probably five people have seen in spite of it being a pay-per-view. And that was the Sabu Cage match for the World Wrestling All-Stars pay-per-view from Melbourne, Australia. It's on YouTube somewhere. And it's probably close to 20 minutes long, cage match, all kinds of props. But I think we told a story. We started off wrestling and we gradually got more and more violent to where there's a dive through with the tables off with the top of the cage outside, inside there's fire. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's one of my favorite matches. Uh, if I had to choose another one, believe it or not, there's this match that was on worldwide. It may be one of my favorite WCW matches. Ironically, it was with Alan Funk before he became Kiwi. Oh yeah, and it was, and it was just a really, really good uh, match back and forth. Uh, the crowd was super into it, and it was at a time when Daffy and I were starting to gain a lot of popularity. I believe the show was in a college town. I can't remember where, but the crowd reaction was fantastic, uh, and just everything just kind of fit into place just, just right. And uh, that was great. And then if I had had to pick a third, uh, I would go ahead and say uh, AEW last October with Joe Janela. And just to show that if you keep yourself in shape and if you protect your body and if you have passion and if you have the drive and if you have all that good stuff that uh, you, you could perform at a high level at, 48 years of age. And I'm going to go off my own list a little bit here and realize that I skipped over the part of my notes where I was going to ask you about AEW. What was it like to be in that kind of an environment where you're such a known and respected guy, probably to that locker room, and then you had Lumini out there with you too? Um, what was it like to, to wrestle on that stage? It, it was awesome. Uh, I know that Joey Janela had uh, – had something to do with that. He, he had been wanting to work with me for a while there. Uh, I reached out to QT via text and hadn't heard anything back. And then I was on summer vacation in Orlando, Florida at Disney, getting ready for a Disney vacation. You, you know, when you're on one of those, you're going to hit the buffets. You're going to have the ice cream. You're going to have the drinks. You're going to have, you're, you're going to enjoy your time with the family. And, I get notified that they're going to bring me in when they're on the East East Coast, either uh, Newark or Philly or one of those shows. So right then and there, uh, <laughs> my summer vacation gets uh, shot right in the butt there. Uh, as far as uh, 
eating like crazy. I still enjoy, but I did extra, extra cardio and extra, extra weights and all that. And uh, I had been doing the promos online all through COVID. You know, I've been doing this new character with the wine and being very condescending and yada, yada, yada. And uh, this was like the payoff of all that, you know, that well, it kind of got me noticed. And now I was going to finally have the opportunity to show physically what I was capable of still doing. And uh, it, it was an amazing opportunity. It was something sure that I had hoped for, whether or not I believe that that was going, going, that was going to happen, really not sure, but it did. And uh, when it came, I think I was prepared for it. I think we had a great match. I think we had had a whole lot of fun. And it just goes to show that, uh, honestly, if never say never, you never know when an opportunity may come. You never know uh, when you're going to be called upon to do something. So you have to at least be in a state of readiness or at least near readiness. It was July when they called. I had July to September to get in even better shape and cardiovascularly in physically and all that. And, uh, it, it, it was just, it was just awesome. So uh, second question, uh, do you have anything unique saved from the course of your career? Are you kind of a guy that uh, holds on to any mementos? There were two crowbar pipes, hmm. the original one from the gas station that I beat up Vampiro and the misfits with. And then that pipe was, it actually hurt like hell when he got whacked with it but it also had a core that bent. So they replaced that with a second pipe. Uh, and I have both of those actually. And, and I actually have like four or five of my actual ring jeans still. Very good. And, and I uh, also have a, I had a, I have one piece of the table from the Australia match with Sabu that I signed, Sabu signed and the referee signed, which is kind of cool. Very good. And the last three qu three count question: uh, Is there anybody in your career who people might be surprised to see on the list of opponents? From you've got such a long career that there have to be some uh, some unique uh, entries on there for people you've actually wrestled before. One odd pairing that probably nobody would believe is that I one time teamed up with Nikolai Volkov with the Sheik as our manager. And I sat there and I saluted for the Russian national anthem. <laughs> Who were your uh, opponents? Uh, the reinforcer, Andrew Anderson and oh. Thunderbolt. Wow. <laughs> and where was this? Where was this? I think New York somewhere. Wow. Uh, I, I, I would love to find that video because it was that's that's an odd pairing right there. <laughs> was it as Devin Storm or was it as Crowbar? Crowbar. Wow, so Nikolai so, Volkov, the Iron Sheik, and Crowbar. Crowbar, you have this nutty slob in ripped-up <laughs> jeans up there at attention for the Russian national anthem. <laughs> Only people with video games or wrestling figures could have ever uh, dreamed that one up. And it Absolutely. Really, and it really happens. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Crowbar, so happy that you joined me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I really, really enjoyed this. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. This was a great time. Thank you so much for having me on. You, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. 
Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Big thanks to Crowbar for joining me today and all the best to him and everything that he's doing. Also, a thank you to Vic Delicious for the suggestion of Crowbar as the guest on today's show. We've got a few things upcoming I'll share on my Twitter, at Under the Ring, when I'm able to, with uh, WWE Extreme Rules coming up in Philadelphia on October 8th. Within the next couple of weeks, we'll also have the great Hale Collins from the now on the show, and you're going to want to hear that as well. I appreciate everyone listening, and have a great week, everyone.